Last week was amazing, wasn't it? Last Sunday we had baptism Sunday. It was incredible to be here and see those four guys go through the waters of baptism. It's, it's always an exciting Sunday and I really enjoyed it and I believe the, the guys did who went through baptism. And if that sparked something in you and made you think, oh, maybe I want to get baptised, I've not been baptised, please come and speak to me or Ruth. We would love to take you on that journey a little bit and talk to you a bit more about what that might look like. It would be our privilege and our honour. But this morning, I want to just kind of follow on um, kind of a little bit from what I talked about last week, where I was, I was talking about having information and then actually moving into a place of revelation. And, and so because there's something that happens kind of in our hearts and in our spirits when we, when we move from information to revelation, when we move from hearing to seeing And, you know, it's safe to say, I think, that for all of us in this room, we have heard about God. We have heard something about God. Whether you believe in him or not, whether you've been walking with him for years or whether you have not, you've heard about God. You've heard about God. But at some point in our lives, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, at some point that information has turned into a revelation where something happened in your spirit and that hearing, that accumulation of knowledge turned into seeing. And seeing not through our physical eyes, but seeing through the spiritual eyes that God blesses us with, where something has been kind of illuminated in our hearts, where we go, uh, I no longer just want to know about God. I no longer just hear God, but I want to see him. And you know, it's like when he was with his disciples and, and Peter had this incredible moment of revelation because Jesus turned to Peter and he said, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter said something that's incredible because these guys have been living with Jesus for years and they've been learning from him and they've been building up this incredible head knowledge about Jesus. But in that moment, something happened and there was a revelation in the spirit of Peter. And when Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter was able to say, you are the Christ. You are the one that we have been waiting for. And this was a massive moment because his eyes had finally been opened. And, you know, we're talking about Jewish men. We're talking about a Jewish man who would have been studying the Torah for so long. And he'd known all about this coming Messiah who was spoken of, who was going to come and redeem Israel to himself. And so they had all this knowledge. They'd heard all about him. And yet now in this moment, he was having this actual revelation where the hearing turned to seeing and he saw that Jesus was the Son of God. And you know, I'm believing that in the weeks and months to come that people are going to come into Hope Church Lytham. They're going to come into this church having heard about God But actually something happens in this building where they move from hearing to seeing. And so maybe that's for you this morning. Maybe you're going to move from a place of hearing about God to actually seeing the person of God. And I think there's this thing where actually, you know, like I say, a lot of people, most people certainly in our nation have heard about God, but they might have heard a whole bunch of things. They might have heard that God is angry at them. 
They might have heard that, that Christianity is just a set of rules, a set of do's and don'ts that we need to follow, otherwise we will get punished. They may have heard that church is boring and irrelevant, that God is no longer relevant to us. But I hope and pray that as people enter into this building, that actually they'll begin to see things in a new light. And as they walk into this gathering, this group of people, this local church, that they'll begin to see something that is in contrast to what it is they've heard. And so they move from hearing to seeing, from information to revelation. <clears throat> and so I just want to look this morning at a few verses from the end of the book of Job. Now, Job's an interesting book, and it sort of looks at the question of why bad things happen to good people. And, and unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily answer that question in the way that we would want it to answer that question, because I know that that is probably one of the biggest questions that a lot of us wrestle with, even when we've been, you know, in the faith for a long time. Why do bad things happen to good people? And it doesn't necessarily answer it in the way that we would think, but it says that actually the world that we live in and this time that we are living in is, is not designed to prevent suffering. It's not designed to prevent bad things from happening, but what we can see through this story and this, this book of Job is the assurance that God is a just God, that he is a just God. And while it may look confusing to us sometimes, that's because we're looking at things through a really kind of uh, worldly and limited perspective. You see, we have a look at what's going on around us and we just get this tiny little glimpse of the picture. But God is so big and so vast and so incomprehensible that he sees everything. And not just everything that's happening right now, but everything that has happened and everything that will happen. And so he sees the whole picture. And so he understands what's going on and he understands why things are happening. But we look at things in the moment in our limited view and our limited perspective and think, why God is this happening? Why are bad things happening to good people? But I believe that through the book of Job, and we're not going to read it all, it's quite a long book. I believe that through the book of Job, we've almost got, feel free to come in, this invitation to trust in God's wisdom, to trust in God's character. We've got this invitation. And so I'm hoping that maybe as we just dig into the very end of this book this morning, you'll hear this invitation to come into God's wisdom and character. And so for those of you who have no idea about the book of Job or who he is or, or what happened to him, let me just give you a very, very brief overview. He was seen as a blameless and a righteous man who honoured God. And as you read through the book, right at the beginning, we're kind of taken into this, this spiritual picture of this, uh, this courtroom where God is having an interaction with Satan. And Satan is suggesting to God that the only reason that Job is so righteous and so faithful is because God blesses him with prosperity that God blesses him. And so they're having this debate and, and Satan says that's the only reason that Job is doing what he does. He's the only way that he's obeying what it is that you say. Why don't you let him suffer and then see if he still follows you? 
Let's let him go through some really terrible stuff and see if he's still a righteous, God-honoring man. Why don't we do that? And it might baffle us to hear this, but God agrees. God says, yeah, okay, let's, let's go through that. Let's see what happens because God had faith in Job. So God said, yeah, okay, let's, let's let this happen. You can do what you want, but just don't kill him. And so this once wealthy man, this once God-honoring, God-pleasing man loses everything in a single day. He loses everything in a single day. His sheep and cattle are stolen. All his servants are killed. And then to top it all off, his entire family is wiped out by a house falling down. It's a lot for anyone to take in, in a whole lifetime, let alone in a day. And so we come to this moment very early on in the book of Job where he's sitting in the dirt and the dust in utter despair and grief. And then three men come along. <clears throat> three friends come along to supposedly show him sympathy and to, to comfort him in his despair. And then they begin to speak to him about his God. And we're not going to look at that in detail but I just want to skip to, to near the end of the story. And actually what we're seeing in these last few uh, chapters is Job reflecting on everything that's gone on in prayer to God. And so it says this in Job chapter 42, the first six verses. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Let me just read that verse five again. I had only heard about you before, but now, but now I see you with my own eyes. And what Job is saying here is, he's saying, I'd only heard about you before. I'd only, I'd only heard kind of information about you. And, and his friends came along and they were speaking to him and they were, they were basically telling him how to feel and they were telling him what they thought God was like. But Job had a revelation in his heart and in his spirit through everything that had gone in his life <clears throat> of who God is. And he comes to a place where he says, do you know what? I only heard about you before. And what I heard was great, but now, now I really see you. Now I really see the truth of your goodness, despite of all of this stuff that has happened to me and to my family and to all of my wealth and my possession, despite all of that stuff, now I see you. I see you in all your goodness. Do you know, we can't just be people who hear about God. We've got to be people who see him. We've got to be people who actually see him. And it's not even just about seeing him for ourselves, but it's about other people seeing him through us, 
through the way that we live, through the way that we speak, through the way that we act, the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we love other people. We've got to see God for ourselves so other people can see God through us. You know, when we come to church on a Sunday, we should see something of Jesus in the people, in the congregation, in the worship, in the preaching. We should see something of Jesus, not with our physical eyes, but with our spiritual eyes. We should see Jesus, who he is, what he's done, who we can be through him. And so actually what happened with Job is that he moved from this place of hearing to seeing. And with that revelation, with his revelation moment, came confession and repentance. Because, you know, when we really see who God is, when we have a revelation of all that God is, he reveals things within ourselves that need to be changed. Because whether we believe it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, there are things in our lives, in our character, in our attitudes, in our thoughts, in our behaviors that need to change. Because no one here is perfect. We can all be a little bit more like Jesus. And so when we come to a place of revelation, whether that's a first revelation or just a fresh revelation of who he is, he begins to reveal things to us. He begins to reveal things that need to be changed because the closer we draw to him, the more he helps to shape us into his image. And he convicts us. For those of you, like my life group, we just did week five of our, our course and it talks about the difference between conviction and condemnation. And that's a sneak preview to those of you who aren't quite there yet. But it's really interesting to kind of go through that study because the Holy Spirit convicts us. And that just means this showing, this highlighting of areas in our lives that are not quite in line with his will, with his purpose, with his plan for our lives. And so he begins to mold us and he begins to shape us. And when we have a revelation of Jesus, he convicts us so that he can shape us more into his image. You know, when we first come to know Jesus, when we first invite him into our lives, that should and will begin with a moment of confession and repentance. But that idea of saying sorry to God, it's not a one-time thing. We don't just say, okay, in that first instance, God, I'm sorry for all of the things that I have done in my past. I'm sorry, forgive me. Okay, that's good. Every time, every time, we've got to call ourselves out. We've got to confess it to God. We've got to say sorry and turn back to him. We don't need to dwell on it. We don't need to beat ourselves up about it. We don't need to punish ourselves because Jesus already took all of the punishment, but we do need to acknowledge it. We do need to acknowledge it and say, yeah, I may messed up again. I'm sorry, God. And he says, yeah, you did, but I forgive you. It's amazing. Keep going. Keep going. You're doing a great job. Isn't that good? He just encourages us. He doesn't say, okay, well, you sit there and you take a time out like I do with my boys. You sit there for 10 minutes and you think about what you did. He doesn't say, you've messed up again. Sit in the naughty corner. Sit on the naughty step and think about what it is that you've done. He just says, it's okay. I forgive you. Keep going. Keep going. You're doing a great job. 
You know, there may be people here this morning that actually we've heard about God. And maybe we're even Christians, you know, this, this counts for everyone. We've, we've heard about God, but we're living from a place of hearing instead of a place of seeing who God is. And they are two very different places. They're two very different places. You can't live from a place of just hearing. You've got to move to a place of knowing, a place of seeing who God really is. And actually, some of us need to repent and say, do you know what? I've not been living how you want me to live. I know that, but I've not actually taken the time to say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. Please forgive me. Let me tell you, if you just take that moment, you just pause and reflect for a a moment and just say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. He picks you back up. He says, it's okay. I forgive you. And he continues to kind of push you and encourage you to do the very best that you can do. God, help me to see you again with my spiritual eyes, to get a fresh revelation of who you are and all that I can be in you. Because when we're walking and living in God's purpose, that is the best place to be. That is the best version of ourselves. And you know, over our lives, we can hear stuff that is bad for us. And I believe that in this story, if you go through and read the story of Job, he hears from these three so-called friends a whole load of stuff that takes him away from God. And I believe that that can happen to us, that we can hear things in our lives that begin to take root in our hearts and can keep us trapped for years even that can keep us bound up and and away from God, away from his plan for our lives. You know, I know of people, even within church, especially within church, who have heard things spoken over their lives that said, you're not good enough. You will never achieve what it is that you want to achieve. And then that binds them up and it keeps them away from the purpose of God because of the words that someone spoke over their lives but they are not the words of God. And yet, if we allow those words to take root in our spirit, they will hold us back. They'll hold us back. And that's part of what we've been going through on our Life Group series about about just kind of weighing up the things that come into our lives. Is this of God or is this of the enemy? Is this building me up or is this tearing me down? And we've got to discern between those things. But sometimes, if we're in a place of vulnerability, If we're struggling, if we're down, if we're low, if we're weak, then words can come into our lives and they can bind us up and they can keep us locked away from God's purpose. And it's only through a fresh revelation of who God is that he can pull out that root and he can cast it aside and you can continue to walk in his plans and his purposes for your life. There's a release in that. We need to have an understanding this morning that not everything that was spoken over you was meant for you. Just because it was spoken over you doesn't mean it was meant for you. And so you can right now, even in this moment, just reflect on some of those things and say, that wasn't of God. That wasn't your voice. That was the enemy and it's bound me up. And I say, God, release me from this. Free me from this bondage. Free me from these chains so that I can walk in all that I can be, in all who you have called me to be. Just because words were spoken over you does not mean they were meant for you. 
We can't just hear. We have to see. Because when you look to God, when you look to God, He speaks over your life. And He says, you're a child of God. He says, you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. He says, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, I will love you unconditionally. And those words that were spoken over you in the past, that's not what I think of you. That's not who you are. That's not who you're supposed to be. And as we come to that place of of seeing and not hearing, he begins to uproot all of that negativity and release you into the fullness of what he's got for you. You see, up to this moment, Job was being fed information by his friends, by people that he trusted, by people that he gave permission to speak into and over his life, but they were feeding him information that was taking him away from God, that was taking him away from God, and he was being told things that were making him question the character of God. Because up until this moment, he had a very firm faith. He was a God-honoring man. He loved God with all of his heart up until this moment. But then these people began to speak into and over his life and it pulled him away, little by little. Listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 2. It says, Listen to what I say and treasure up my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. And in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We've got to be careful, don't we? We've got to be really careful about what we allow in to our lives. And you know, just because it says God TV in the corner, just because you can buy it from a Christian bookshop doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you. It doesn't mean it's necessarily good for you. Not every preacher who professes to preach the gospel is speaking truth. We've got to be careful of what's being spoken into our lives. Feel free to watch and listen and read. Absolutely do, but don't just take it as fact. Weigh it up. Check it against Scripture because the Bible tells us test everything and only hold on to what's good. Throw away the rest. Don't just believe the words that I speak on a Sunday. I'm just a man. I'm not perfect. You've got to weigh everything that I say. Check it against Scripture. I have been known to make mistakes. (laughs) We need to move from a place of hearing to a place of seeing. We've got to move from information to revelation. Job was a blameless man. But he listened to information. He listened to people's words spoken into his life and he took his eyes off who God really was. And so he had to come back to a place of revelation. He had to come back to a place of no longer just hearing but seeing who God really is. You know, there's no substitute for reading the Bible. It seems obvious, doesn't it, if you are 
a believer. It seems really obvious, but there is no substitute for reading the word of God because that is time with you and God. No one else, just you and God. And it's in those moments where we really see who he is, where he begins to reveal to us more of his character and more of how much he loves us and more of who we can be in him. And actually, I don't know about you, but I find that sometimes when I read the Bible, I can be reading a portion of scripture that I know really well. I can reel it off without even looking at the words on the page. But even when I'm reading something that I've read multiple times, he can reveal something brand new to me. I can get fresh revelation of who he is. Now I see it. Now I see who you really are. I'm seeing it with fresh eyes. There's no substitute for creating that space, just you and God. This is great, gathering together with like-minded people. Life groups are great. They're fantastic places to be, but those moments with just you and God, just you and God, there is no substitute for that. You know, I love concerts. I love live music. I touched on it a little bit last week about my emo phase, which I am still in. In fact, I've booked tickets to go and see a concert towards the end of the year. Very shouty music. I'm sure most of you would hate it, but I absolutely love loud, loud, shouty, live, rocky music. I love it. I love it. I just love the energy. I love the build. I love the drive. I love it all. But no matter what music you're into, no matter what, whether you're into like, I went to see a a string quartet this year playing Vivaldi's Four Seasons, it was beautiful. I don't like classical music all that much, but it was absolutely beautiful because it was live and in person. So no matter what music you are into, there is no substitute for the real thing, for being in that environment where it is happening live. You know, I've never been to a festival before. Um, You know, gone into a field and camped and then stood in a crowd of thousands of people with a shocking view of the stage because I'm so small. You can guarantee that the tallest person in the field will stand right in front of me and I'll be like trying to get a glimpse. But so when like Reading and Leeds and Glastonbury come on the telly, I'm like, yes, I can go to the festival without going to the festival. I can enjoy the music without the mud and the overpriced drinks and sharing porter potty toilets and all of that. I can enjoy the festival experience without being there, but there's no substitute for being there, is there? Because it might be great to sit in the comfort of my own home and watch the music. There's nothing that can replace being there, even with all the sweaty people, even with all of the mud. There's no substitute for being in that environment and experiencing it live. And we need to create that space with us and God. We can't live off someone else's experience. We can't live off someone else's stories about, oh, how good my time with God was this week. I had this quiet time and it was incredible and I was doing all this stuff and God was revealing to me all of this stuff that I'd never really got hold of before. But that's their story. That's not your story. That's like watching Glastonbury on the telly instead of experiencing it for yourself. We have an invitation to sit with God one-on-one. He's going to put on a solo performance just for you. Except it's an interactive experience where we can ask questions 
and we can hear from him. We're being invited into this personal moment, just me and God, just me and my heavenly father. And there is no substitute for it. There is nothing that can replace that personal moment with Jesus. You know, the baptisms were were amazing last week and it was so great to hear the testimonies of the four guys. And it's it's incredible to kind of hear what God is doing in other people. And I don't know, maybe this morning you're sitting here and you've been praying a prayer. God, do for me what you have done for them. Do in my life what I see you doing in someone else's life. But let me tell you, God won't do for you what he's done for someone else. Because that was what he wanted to do for them. What he wants to do for you is something totally different. And so instead of praying that prayer, God, do for me what you've done for them. We need to move to a place that says, actually, God, do for me what you're going to do for me. Because he's got something for each and every one of us. He created us all unique. And he's got a different calling for each and every one of us. We can't live off someone else's experience. We can't grow from someone else's testimony alone. We have to have that personal revelation of Jesus. We have to move from a place of hearing to a place of seeing. And you know, because, because Job prayed that prayer that we've been focusing on this morning, it goes on to say at the very end of, of the book of Job, that he'd heard all of this stuff about God, but now he's seeing him with his own eyes. Now he's seeing him with fresh revelation. Now he's truly seeing the spirit of God. And in that moment, sat in the dirt with his clothes all torn in grief and despair, he repents. Because God convicts him of his attitudes and his thoughts and his behaviors. And so in that moment, he repents and says, God, I'm sorry. I thought this about you. And then some stuff happened and some stuff was spoken and everything changed. God, I'm sorry that I allowed it. Because even though all of that happened, even though all of that happened, even though someone died, even though I lost my job, even though I'm alone right now, even though my friends got cancer, even though, even though, even though, you are still good. You are still faithful. You are still for me. You still love me no matter what happens. And so I'm sorry if I let any of that stuff change the way I think about you because God, you never change. The Bible says you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so no matter what has happened in my life, no matter what my past looks like, no matter what I'm going through right now, you never change. You never change. And so God, I'm sorry when I let that stuff change my perspective of you. And so we're being invited into this moment where God reveals to us that he loves us that he's for us. He invites us into this moment where we need to trust in his wisdom and trust in his character and trust that actually, while we only see this tiny portion of what's going on, he sees it all. It doesn't make sense to us, but it makes sense to God. 
And that's a hard place to get to because for some of us, if you're anything like me, I want to see it all so that I can understand this bit because I'm not okay just being confused by what's going on right now. Give me the bigger picture. Well, let me tell you, if God gave you the bigger picture, it would blow your mind. You wouldn't be able to understand it. It wouldn't make sense because only he can hold all of that in his mind. Only he can fathom all of that stuff. And so he gives us this glimpse He gives us this snippet of what's going on and if it's hurtful, if it's painful, if it's challenging, if it's dark in that moment, he's inviting us and saying, will you still trust me? Will you still trust in my wisdom? Will you still trust in my character, in my nature? Because I've never changed. That person who you came to faith with at the beginning, that revelation moment that you had very at the very beginning. I've never changed. I'm still the same. I still love you all the same. Don't let a moment change your perspective of God. Don't let what we hear take away from seeing who God really is. And it says at the end of Job that actually having gone through all of that, in this prayer that he's praying out to Jesus where he just repents of his attitudes and he repents of everything that he's gone through. It says in Job 42, and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Job was an incredibly wealthy man and more than that, he had an incredible family who he loved and who loved him. And it says that the Lord blessed him more than his beginning. And then it goes on to list all of the things that God blessed him with, sheep and camels and oxen and donkeys and also sons and daughters. God blessed him after all that he'd been through. And it says that after this, Job lived 140 years and he saw his sons and his sons' sons four generations and Job died an old man and full of days. Job died a man that was full of faith. Job died a man that didn't let that moment in his life change his future. He didn't allow what he'd heard to change what he saw. He saw God for himself. He saw God as a good father, as someone who wanted to bless him unconditionally. And even though the storms raged around him and even though his friends were saying all kinds of stuff to him, they were saying God's deserted you, that actually, ultimately, he came back to a place of personal revelation of Jesus. He saw. He saw God for who he really is. He moved from information to revelation. He moved from hearing to seeing. Can we do that this morning? Can we do that this morning? Because we've got a lot of information about Jesus. But can we allow that information to become a revelation of the person of Jesus? We've heard a lot about Jesus. But can we begin to see him once again? And even if you're sitting there going, I see Jesus. Well, you can see more of him. We can always see more of him. So let's move from a place of hearing to a place of seeing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you are. 
We thank you that you are so awesome that we can never fathom just how awesome you are, that you, you see everything, the beginning, the middle, the end. And while sometimes we get frustrated that we just get to see this tiny little moment in time that God, I pray that we would just trust your nature, trust your character, trust your wisdom, that actually no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what it is that we are hearing, that God, we would see you, that we would see you in all your glory, that we would see you in all your majesty, that we would see you in all your faithfulness, that we would see your abundant blessing, that we would see your unconditional love in our lives. God, may we see you in a brand new way this morning, I pray. Whether we've seen you before or not, may we see you in a brand new light this morning. May we declare, oh, now I really see you. Now I really see you. I thought I knew you before, but now, now I see you. God, bring that revelation to us, I pray right now.